The goal of this podcast is simple. I want to give you the skills, thinking tools, and strategies to live life on your terms. Now, if you're listening to this, there's a very good chance that you're a high-performing entrepreneur, you're super ambitious, and essentially, you want to build your empire. You want to recreate what success and wealth means for your family. And most importantly, you want to be your own best friend and get the most out of life. I have battle-tested everything I'm about to teach you. But first and foremost, let me give you a very good reason why you should listen to me. And this is important that I get this off my chest because the internet is full of fabrications. It's full of highlights. It's full of over-exaggerated truths. Now, I'm not going to lie. I was extremely uncomfortable at the thought of sharing my inner world, the lessons, the success, and also the failures in my quest to build my empire. And I struggled to share this stuff and I've essentially battled with it in my head for a number of reasons. I'm a private guy. I don't like people knowing a lot of my business. Two, I have never bummed and blowed about my own success. I've never really felt the need to. And most of the stuff that I see online about people bumming and blowing about success is unbearable. And three, I'd rather be rich, not famous. I'm one of those guys that just would love to be ultra wealthy, everyone to know my name, but not my face. And I had a massive perspective shift recently that really changed my mind to all of this. Long story short, somebody that I respected came out to see me. And it was the first time that they came to my house. They saw my house, they saw my cars, they saw my boardroom, and they saw everything that I had. And they said, Phil, I never knew you had achieved all this, especially at your age. I never knew this. I have respect for you. What are you doing? I want to learn from you. And the fact is, I was always hiding my wealth. I was always hiding my success. I was always hiding my lifestyle because I thought nobody could relate to it. I was kind of in a little world of my own. Most of my friends are over the age of 50 or 60. They've sold their business. And there are very few 30-year-olds that I can actually relate to. So I didn't want to alienate people from me. But here's what I learned. We're taught in marketing to be relatable. We're taught to have a story that people can relate and feel into. That's great. But do you know what is often missing? Is the actual aspirational identity that you have created for yourself with your success. And the real secret to growth, the real secret to getting attention, is to be comfortable humbly bragging about your success. Because it creates a gap between what's relatable and what's not. And that's what I call the aspirational gap. So there are things that I have achieved in my life in my early 30s that many people still haven't achieved in their late 70s or 80s or even before they die. There are people that run substantially larger businesses than me, significantly more turnover, hundreds of millions, but they don't make the profit that I make. They don't have the freedom that I have. And they don't have the self-love and appreciation of family life that I also have. And I really feel the internet is full of how to get rich, how to get successful. And I really feel that the majority of that stuff is unbearable. There is a massive gap for individuals that have already established some form of success. And by listening to this podcast, I already know that you've had success in your life. And this podcast is geared around how to level it up, how to go to the next level, and how to really build your future self.
So even though I've built a reputation for building the most successful fitness businesses in the world, I have so much more talent, skill, and wisdom to share to help more people outside of that space. And that is a space that I have been hiding in for so many years that now I am coming out of and talking to the real world of entrepreneurs that are in the trenches building their empire, building their dream. So let me just give you some quick high-level facts to just reaffirm why you should really pay attention to these podcasts. My YouTube channel, which you can also subscribe in the links in the show notes, and essentially you can find it on YouTube. But this is the reasoning why you should follow this stuff. Hey, I really hope this podcast has taught you something that you never knew before. I really want to challenge your thinking and expand what you believe is possible for you and your life. And I would really love your feedback. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, it would really mean the world to me if you could just go and leave a review, click like, and a comment around what you love about this podcast. This gives me the feedback to know that I'm doing a good job, and it also gives me the credibility to go to the best in the industry in entrepreneurship, personal growth, finance, and just pure life wisdom to dissect their thinking and share the lessons with you. If you like my style, how I talk and how I dissect things and how I think, then this channel is going to be a valuable resource in helping you live life on your terms. And I want to make sure that it is the best possible material that you can put in between your two ears every single day. It would really mean the world to me. Now, let's get back to the episode. Whenever you go to learn from someone, you look at their life and you ask, would I like to model it? You, over, you look at the adversity that they have overcome and you look at the character, the identity that's been carved from that. So here's a couple of high-level facts. Number one, I overcame a life-threatening autoimmune condition, type 1 diabetes. If you don't look after it, it'll kill you stone dead. It'll ruin your life. And I was able to defy what many doctors told me would happen to my health, would happen to my life, and actually become one of the country's leading bodybuilders. And I know that may sound an extreme polar opposite, but when you look at bodybuilding and the level of body fat, muscular development, commitment that's essentially involved in that sport, when diabetes is essential manual control of insulin, the key hormone that essentially takes sugar and puts it into your muscles, it's extremely complex. And I was able to completely turn that around. There is not one other bodybuilder on the planet that is type 1 diabetes that was able to achieve what I have. And I turned that into a whole world's first encyclopedia on building muscle and losing fat with diabetes, but that's for later. I didn't come from riches nor of a spoon in my mouth. I came from a bang middle class family. My mom was a nurse. My dad was an 11 plus slash P7 teacher. Very basic. I grew up in a very tight religious household in Northern Ireland in a Protestant household, Christian household, where there was still stigma attached around the whole concept of civil war in Northern Ireland around Catholics and Protestants. And I was told that in order to be truly successful, I had to become a doctor, a lawyer. I had to go to church on Sundays and go to Sunday school, and I had to marry a Protestant. And I did the complete opposite. I married a Catholic. I didn't go to church on Sundays. I find meaning and deeper spiritual connection through other ways and my own research. And I've only now started to rekindle that relationship after firing my parents because they were interfering in the growth of my business. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. 
I've held a relationship together for 14 years, been married for over 10 years, and given the identity shifts that I've gone through, this has been super challenging, but also super rewarding. I've just had my first kid. She's now just two and a half. So again, I can relate to all of you that want to build a family. You know, it's very hard to take productivity or life advice from somebody that doesn't have kids because the way that you prioritize your time and your outlook on life dramatically changes. I never need to worry about making money. I have total control of my time. I've helped a lot of other people get rich, happy, and live a purposeful life. And I'm incredibly well-connected with a powerful peer group. I've got insane connections. If I'm stuck, I can pick up a phone. I love all things barbecue. I even have a restaurant on the grounds of my estate. I hunt. I enjoy fine wine. And I live a, a lifestyle that every entrepreneur is pretty much dreaming of. And I achieved all of this by the time I was 30. And I'm 35 now. So I'm very excited to share this. I'm very excited to give you lessons. And, you know, some of you are here for the wealth and money-making lessons. I mean, like I said, I came from a very bog-standard family to now making millions in profit every single year with very little of my time. Some of you are here for the relationship advice. Some of you are here for the family advice. You maybe just had your kid. Some of you are here for the barbecue insights, the hunting insights. Some of you are here for the deep philosophical insights on life. I'm a very deep thinker. I love really finding the meaning of life. I love finding gratitude. I love seeing the upside of chaos. I love turning chaos into order. And I believe I'm an expert at that. You know, being told that I was going to go blind, just at such a high risk of so many health complications and essentially being defeated uh, to radically turning that around and using that chaos to actually build what I have. I mean, if you look at my life, I wouldn't have got into fitness if I didn't have diabetes. I wouldn't have got into mentoring if I didn't have diabetes. I wouldn't have got in and build fitness entrepreneur. I wouldn't have wrote the diabetic muscle and fitness guide. I wouldn't even be doing this. So when it comes to turning chaos into order, I believe I've got a very high level of wisdom to share on that. I'm very much against the idea of working 24 hours a day nonstop. Yes, you can most certainly find what you love, but you need strategic breaks. You need to take time away. You need to have fun. You need to expand your thinking. You need to take a rest just like you would from strength training. I'm all about celebrating your success and enjoying the fruits of your labor. I'm not about just hoarding money. You know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs that are just focused on accumulating as much money as possible because their fear of going broke still rules them. They don't celebrate their wins. They don't buy the things that they want. They live well below their means. I'm all about enjoying the finer things in life, the experiences, even some of the materialistic things in life that really just drive me into becoming the man that I want to be. And you've got every single right to drive the car that you want, write with a pen that you want, wear the watch that you want, go and eat in the restaurants that you want. And I'm all about establishing a powerful, loving, deep relationship with yourself. That is the most important relationship of all. Having fun, changing people's lives through your expertise, and getting filthy rich in the process. So I have a lot of wisdom to share from the street right the whole way through to the boardroom. Now, I believe there are seven currencies to success in life. And I want you to go through these currencies and say good, bad, or okay. And I'm going to list them. 
Number one, freedom. Doing whatever you want, when you want. Total control of your time. Can you wake up in the morning and say, I know what I'm going to do today, or I'm going to do what I want today? How would you score your freedom? Good, bad, or okay? Money, profit, cash flow, assets, capital appreciation. If I was to look at your bank balance right now, is it good, bad, or okay? Health, are you lean, fit, strong, agile? Is that good, bad, or okay? Family, what's the relationships like inside your family? What's your family vision? What are your roles, your responsibilities? Good, bad, or okay? That includes your close, immediate partner. Relationships, are you in the proximity of people that hold you to a higher standard that you can hold yourself? Remember, you're only one human away from a radically different life. Not a tactic, one human away. Identity, how you see yourself and how you, see, how you feel the world sees you. Essentially, this creates your mental and spiritual firepower. Mission. Everyone needs a mission worth pursuing. Sometimes that mission be jeopardized. Sometimes it can be expanded. But I'm a firm believer that a mission needs to serve you and humanity. It needs to serve your ego. It needs to serve your soul. And it needs to serve the world. And, you know, your future gets better when you have a vision or mission that is bigger than your current reality. And that is the goal of this podcast is to expand this where most people screw up where most people screw up is number one letting their inner child or their inner teen run their business the next time that you get triggered the next time that you get annoyed ask yourself who's calling the shots right now is it the younger me is it the teenage me when you don't make peace with the traumas and the chaoses that you have had in your earlier life They integrate your central nervous system and any similar events essentially trigger a similar response. So essentially we do all we can to prevent these responses from happening again or we react in an immature way. But essentially we haven't actually balanced our perspective around these events and neutralized them and made them objective. Because I can tell you this, every chaotic event that you've been through in your childhood has actually served you. And you need to find the meaning in that in order to operate from a very clear objective lens. Letting the opinions of other people dictate your life. Your parents. My parents wanted me to be a doctor, wanted me to be a lawyer. They wanted me to go to Sunday school. They were projecting their worldview on my life. They were projecting what they felt was possible on my life. Are you the same? Fear. Are you an individual that is riddled by fear no matter how much money you are making? When you are riddled with fear and you make decisions out of fear, you install fear into the constructs of everything that you do. It is great for activating you, but it's a horrible, horrible feeling and emotion to essentially sustain your efforts with. It's a great driver. I I really love building stuff out of fear and channeling that initial animal response into something productive, but over time you need to make peace with it. Another mistake people make is thinking that their chaos and adversity is holding them back or stopping them stone cold dead. The reality is your chaos and adversity and challenge that you're experiencing right now is actually catapulting your life forward. You just need to ask the right questions and find meaning on it. Not realizing success is a feeling. Success is a feeling, not a material goal. Ever bought the car, ever bought the house, ever got the girl, ever got the guy, only to realize, hey, I'm still not happy. Success is a feeling, and I'm going to be talking to you all about that. 
Letting success go to your head. This is something that I struggled with. I ticked off everything that I thought I needed to do. The car, the watch, the house, the attractive girl, everything. The business that made millions in profit every single year. I ticked it all off. I had no reason to continue growing or to continue pushing. I don't have a reason to get up and do these podcasts for you. But I want to. I want to make a massive impact far beyond what my initial goals were. And that comes from recreating your vision. And a lot of people don't do that quickly enough. And they get caught up in this void of not knowing what to focus on. A lot of people start to get weak when they get successful. They get a little taste of it. They make a big month, big quarter. They go and spend it. A lot of people wait for confidence to come before they take action. The reality is that's never going to happen. You have to have courage first, and then confidence comes after. And last but not least, laziness and complacency. Now, I want to give you a quick, dirty overview of my life and how this all started. And then I'm going to distill down the philosophy of how I live and the principles that govern how I operate and how I think And that is where the true gold is. So I'm going to go into a little bit of narrative first, and then I'm going to distill down into philosophy, the beliefs behind everything. And then I'm going to tell you what's coming next in these remaining podcasts. It's my goal that every podcast that you listen to will make you happier, more at peace with yourself, will amp you up in order to take action on the stuff that you're scared of, will expand your thinking, will educate you to make smarter decisions and essentially put more money in your bank account, help you build better connections, help you make a bigger impact with your customers and most importantly, build the life that you want. So my story, when I grew up, I was an overweight little kid. I grew up in a normal detached house with my parents. My dad was a P7 teacher. My mom was a health professional. My mom wore the trousers in the relationship. She was the one that earned all the money. My dad was a businessman, not an uber successful businessman. He tried his best. My dad spent his whole entire life working. And I I very rarely saw him. You know, he put a lot of time and effort into running his business, even though it wasn't ultra successful. So I grew up very close to my mom. And I always remember my parents fighting around money. I always remember them fighting around dad not paying things off or being overdrawn. And, you know, my mom was the main bread earner and she felt that there was a lot of responsibility on her for managing us and paying bills. And there was a lot of conflict in my earlier years around money. And I grew up with this belief of never feeling safe or sometimes feeling like we were always going to go under. And that was one of the energies that really inspired me to go and start a business. I was always entrepreneurial. I would have been the kid that, you know, would have sold you his toys. I would have sold sweets at the front of the house, do 10p mix-ups. We used to go to a a cash and carry in in Belfast called Macro. And I, I remember going down the aisles and looking at all the boxes of Haribo and bonbons, fried eggs, strawberries, all of this stuff. And I used to bundle them up into bags. Mind you, a 10p mix-up back then got you a lot more than it does now. I don't think 10p mix-ups existed. And I, I just always loved the idea of creating something, giving it to people, and getting paid for it. And I saw a great level of freedom with that. Anyway, 
long story short, I had one brother and we were totally opposite. Uh, he was big into football. Um, I was big into video games. At 16 years of age, we were going to high school. I went to an all-boys school called Instant Belfast. And just a word of advice. If you've got kids, try and avoid sending them to a single-sex school because you just come out with limited exposure to the opposite sex, uh, which can be challenging, which can be difficult. Um, all-boys school, big rugby school. We lived in the suburbs, so we, we, we kind of were out on our own. And it was a, a very, very challenging kind of scenario where you just had all these guy mates in school, and then you would come home. And then, obviously, my parents were super religious and really focused on Christianity and going to Sunday school and don't swear and say your prayers. And, you know, there's principles in that that are true, but it was just forced on us. So... I'll elaborate on all these insights throughout the course of these podcasts, but long story short, I grew up not valuing health and fitness on exercise, not having much exposure to the opposite sex. I grew up uh, with the fear of always like, are, are my mom and dad going to get divorced? Are we going to go under? Do we have enough money? And I grew up with this religious belief that if I didn't go to Sunday school or if I didn't become saved, or become a Christian that I was going to go to hell. So it was this absolute mix of chaos that really left me feeling dissatisfied with life. I always felt on edge. I always felt, I just always felt on edge and down. That's the only way to experience it. And I never truly enjoyed my younger years. In school, I wasn't popular. I was a bit of a loner. I would have come into school find a group of friends and there would have been sarcasm and jokes thrown as there is in school. And sometimes I just find myself dandering around on my own, jumping from one group to another, one group to another, one group to another. And I never really knew who I could relate to. I always used to find the one person that was ultra friendly and cling on to them. And I just lacked confidence. I just lacked a lot of confidence. So anyway, long story short, things took a turn for the worst whenever I was 16. I remember I used to go into school every single day. We used to get the bus in. And we got the bus in and we always used to stop off at this coffee shop. It was called the Scallop Shell. It was just outside Europa bus station. If you've ever been in Belfast, that's where I got the bus. And my school was just around the corner and we used to go in and we used to get an Ulster fry. And every morning I would get, it was a mix of soda bread, potato bread, bacon, sausages, fried tomato, uh, black pudding, fried eggs, Loads of butter, more butter than you could like literally put in a pantry. I had tea with sugar in it and I would devour that and then go around to the local shop and consume more confectionery, right? So all that was savory. I would then go and get like a toffee bar, a wam bar, um, nerds, if you remember what nerds were, and, and a porridge. Like I, I was literally like four and a half thousand calories deep before nine o'clock. And I remember this one day that I went in and my eyesight was blurry I needed to go to the toilet a lot. I felt extremely dehydrated. In fact, I can still remember the flavor and the taste in my mouth. And it just was like pretty, pretty weird. I just felt off. Long story short, I said to my mom, I went and got tested and turned out 
I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. My mom started crying. She was a health professional. I knew because she was crying, something was up. I remember getting marched down this corridor of these dark green olive doors and like just sterile NHS, National Health Service kind of corridor. And I remember the pit of my stomach was like, what is going on here? And I remember being sat down in this office with all these posters of like, you know, people that had gone blind, diabetic amputations and all this kind of crazy stuff. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And the diabetic nurse told me that there is a chance, there's a possibility, there's a likelihood that you may go blind, lose an arm, have kidney failure, have all these complications, take a low, take a high. And I was sitting there processing it all and my little 16-year-old self locked on to, you've never told, you haven't told me a definite, you haven't closed the loop, you've used speculative language. But I've realized that the key areas are nutrition, training, uh, exercise, medication, and lifestyle, and mindset. And those are the areas that literally overnight, I became engrossed in studying. Those are my survival guides. So I made a choice at that moment. And that's one of the most powerful things about being a human is making a choice to do something. You know, like when you're in a relationship and you end it and you say, I'm deciding to step away. That's a choice. Or you decide to go with somebody else. It's a choice. It's a very part. I'm choosing to do my own business. Well, I chose to put my health first. And long story short, I fell in love with nutrition. I was just fascinated by how the human body worked and how nutrition worked. And essentially, I studied and read and just consumed insights and information that would really give me the skills to be able to make better decisions and understand what was going on with my body. And I then started going to the gym. And I remember I went to the most hardcore bodybuilding gym in Lisbon, Northern Ireland. It was called the Rock Pit. You could literally smell the testosterone like three miles out. You could hear the grunts of doormen and bodybuilders. Literally before you even opened the door, and the trance music was going like crazy. I think it was like Paul Van Dyke for an angel or like Warrior. Go and look up Warrior on Spotify. Um, it was the you know the, the theme track to the, the movie. I think it was 51st State. You know, the one with Samuel L. Jackson and like the blue pills. Um, here comes your warrior, whatever it is. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to sing it. But it was cracking tune. Anyway, the vibe was pumping, but I was walking in like this overweight, fat, diabetic kid. And I remember I got onto the recumbent bike at the top of the gym. And I like, was fascinated by the size of these guys, the big smashes of dumbbells, the clink of iron, the smell, the chalk, the the aggression, just the the just seeing this like church for hard men. Like the place where they came to work on themselves. And I remember becoming fascinated with the size and shape of their physique. And this was very attractive to me because, you know, I was out of shape. I was young. I was naive. And I was like, well, you know, girls like this kind of physique. Girls like muscles. Girls like lean guys. You know, like when you always used to go into the changing room at school, there always used to be that one little fucker that had the six pack. Well, I wasn't that guy. I was the kind of guy that got changed in the toilet with a towel around me and then like went in. And I was like, 
how did you get changed? I was like, well, uh, I got changed earlier. So, you know, it was very attractive to me to to build a physique like that. And now that I had diabetes, the training was, was a non-negotiable. So long story short, I fell in love with bodybuilding and I slowly worked my way up from the recumbent bike the whole way down to the gym floor. And I made friends with people in the gym. I met some incredible people there and uh, some really good friends, like really people that supported me and wanted, like really wanted to push me. And at the same time I started university, I started a degree in nutrition. I went, my dream was to become a dietitian and set up uh, either my own nutrition consultancy, my private consultancy, or to go and work for the health service. And uh, long story short, I got really good at lifting. I really committed myself to it and I really linked it to how it was going to improve my diabetes. So there was a high level of, of commitment there. And the knowledge from university was also helping me amplify my results. And I, I really just combined the two and, and, and built a great physique. And people started to recognize the change in me. And, you know, my mom noticed the change in me. And believe it or not, she said, hey, can you do me a diet plan? I did my mom a diet plan and she lost like five, six stone. Um, radically turned her health around. And then her friend asked for a diet program. And then I was like, flip, I'm onto something here. Then in the gym, people started asking me for diet programs. And this is when I used to type them out of Microsoft Word. I used to charge them 50 quid. Uh, my mom was free. And I thought the more information, the better, because I had all this information and all this knowledge upstairs, and I wanted to share it. And uh, I began selling diet programs in the gym. And then I got to the point where I had to make a decision about my career with university, and I went and did two work experiences the university degree that I was studying was around nutrition, clinical nutrition, food production, food technology. And I did a work placement in a large meat factory called Dunbia. I actually got sacked from that for falling asleep because it was like a 4 a.m. shift. I had to like take a temperature of like carcass meat, like measure the fat inside mints and all this kind of crazy stuff. And I fell asleep in one of the delivery bays and uh, like a truck of New Zealand lamb came in and like thawed out while I was sleeping. Um, got a wrap in the window and university professor I had to come to the factory and it was like a you disgraced the university or whatever um so that didn't work out and then i uh got put into health promotion around dietetics and nutrition and all that and i just find it really hard working with all you know people in the health service with so much red tape and never really getting to see my impact and i just got bored um i didn't like it and at this time i was selling diet programs and you know i was, I was making like a k a week on just training programs. I went from like 50 quid to like 500 quid really quick um, because I was selling so many of them and then other people and their friends wanted them. Nobody else was doing this stuff. I was like the first online coach in the UK um, selling fitness plans and I had the expertise. Like nobody else had a degree in nutrition. So I was super credible and I had this bodybuilding background. Um, and then I started competing in bodybuilding. I won and competed in various shows from Junior Mr. Northern Ireland, Junior Mr. World, Junior Mr. Universe, Junior Mr. Britain. And all sorts. And uh, anyway, long story short, I realized with all this information and insight that there was actually a gap. I collected all this information around diabetes and muscle building and everything else and realized that nothing was available for people with diabetes. So I wrote the world's first encyclopedia on diabetes and muscle building and how to get jacked with diabetes. And it was called the Diabetic Muscle and Fitness Guide. And it still sells every single day. It sold tens and thousands of copies 
all over the world. It's it, you know, I had celebrities like Chris Jericho reach out. This kid, his kid was diabetic. Holly Berry, uh, famous di- type one diabetic athletes. It, it was crazy. Um, nobody had completed this work. All the generic uh, charity stuff like Diabetes UK it was just very bland. It wasn't written for people with diabetes by people with diabetes, so it was hard to relate to. And, you know, you go on the internet now, you type in, you know, can you build muscle with diabetes? Can you take creatine with diabetes? Can you take whey protein with diabetes? It's me. Um, I'm the number one search on it. So that, that work was really profound. And then I, I, I really decided I'm going to set up my own business. My mom was against it. Don't do it. You're going to have team members. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be high risk. And I remember I made more in one week than an NHS like band seven would make. And it was, I was doing workshops. I was doing training programs. I had, I, I did consultation calls. I was doing personal training. You know, I, I'd really built a solid client base. I'd built a solid uh, system for, you know, creating and deploying these, these diet plans and uh, I had the team in diabetic muscle and fitness and everything. And I just realized, you know what? This is allowing me to serve the people that I want, doing what I want, when I want, and I can make the money that I want. There's no limits to it. So that was me all in on business. And then, you know, over the years, I, I, I really, I coached many professional athletes. I did nutrition consultancy for top rugby teams, Olympic gymnasts, and top competitors. Um, you know, this was like in its infancy way before like social media was big, big. And um, nobody else was doing it. And long story short, that was the, the foothold of my career. Then other coaches started to recognize the success that I had, and they started asking me to mentor them one-on-one. And then I started doing one-to-many, where I started going to gyms and teaching you know, trainers like five, six, seven. Then it started to go to bigger events. Then I started to run my own events. And then I launched my first mastermind, which was like for 20 people. I sold it in one social media post. And um, anybody came into this, like, you know, anybody that wanted to start a fitness business. And look, long story short, uh, we now run the the largest fitness business growth organization in the world for coaches that want to build a really profitable business. We give coaches the thinking tools, the strategies, and everything they need to essentially become really powerful entrepreneurs. And that is a very sizable organization now. We do millions in profit every single year. Uh, We've worked with the best in the industry. If you currently know uh, uh, a high-performing six- or seven-figure fitness professional in the world. There's a very good chance that they are a client or have been a client. Um, we have had a significant impact on that. I've done all that with a small team of 12. Um, like I said, that's you know one of the main reasons why I'm creating this podcast is to give you the insights into creating this empire lifestyle business. It's the combination of millions and pounds in profit you know, every single year, whilst also giving me the opportunity to, you know, work for 20 hours or less a week. It's, it's, it's like unheard of. And I'm using that cash flow to buy assets and create my wealth. And I want to share and document all of those things with you. So, you know, the philosophy that allowed this all to happen is, is really simple. And I'm going to close on this, um, is that defiance, it sits behind all your success. In order to live life in your terms, you must be completely defiant against your circumstances. I defied what my parents had destined for me. I defied what the health professionals and my body had told me that, hey, you've got diabetes, you now have to like spend the rest of your life just taking insulin and complaining. Um, I defied like being told that I had to be a doctor or a lawyer or defied the fact that I needed 
you know, straight A's in my GCSEs or A-levels. And by the way, I got straight B's. I was a B student. Um, another philosophy is that you can turn your chaos into order. Your chaos is actually the seed for the most beautiful life. The magic of your life, the magic of your business lies in the stuff that you're avoiding. So if you're in a relationship right now that you really are petrified to leave because it's comfortable, the magic of your life lies on the other side of that. If you are in a career right now, a high-performing career, and I work with like people all the time that have got careers that pay them really good money, but they really want to go out on their own and do their own thing. The magic of your life lies in that decision. Um, you know, your soul, God, if you like, whatever way you want to talk about it, has this great way of informing you and giving you the feedback that you need, but it's up to you to have the courage to step into it. Number three, give up worrying. Trust in the flow of life. Everything that happens to you is for the growth of your soul. Whether you perceive it as good or whether you perceive it as bad, all the stuff in your past, the, the relationship breakdowns, everything, the failure, the bankruptcies, being stolen from, being ill, losing loved ones, it has all served you. You have got to find meaning on it. When you realize there's a predetermined theme to life, what is the point in worrying? I'm so much more productive when I'm peaceful, I'm calm, and I'm focused rather than anxious and worrying all the time. No one should accept average. You're never going to have a truly amazing life if you just accept average. How you show up, how you talk, how you run your business. In order to be your best, you need courage to essentially be authentically rebellious. If you want to stand out, you have got to be authentically rebellious. Right? If you look at what everybody else is doing, do the opposite. That is what is that is essentially your style. And people connect with your style before they connect with your identity and the thing it is that you want to sell or, or, or achieve. The number one investment in yourself is your is, is, is your business, is your skill set. Nothing returns faster. Stocks and shares, property, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm going to share everything that I'm doing with you guys over the course of these podcasts because you know there's some of you here that are confused about what to invest in. And the reality is the number one thing you should be investing in is more skills to get your business up to a point so that you can create the cash flow to then invest in things. So essentially, I like another philosophy is building your business into a cash flowing machine to buy assets and give yourself the option to exit. Wealth lies in options, right? Let me repeat that. Wealth lies in options. The goal of your business is to create options for you. And last but not least, Build a list of wants and use them to pull you forward, not a list of needs. So if you're sitting there going, I don't need that money, that's because you're having to justify it to somebody else. Remember when you were a kid and you just said, I want that? And your parents said, you don't need that, but you just wanted it? When you focus on building a list of wants, it over-exaggerates what you have to do to achieve it. And that is what builds character. And character is essentially the thing that's going to make you attractive in this world. It's a thing that's going to make you stand out. And the more detailed you are with your wants and your vision, the more likely you are you're going to achieve it. So beyond the millions, beyond the personal restaurant, beyond the business success, the bold physique, healthy home life and marriage, these beliefs have driven everything that I have done. And I would really value the to write a review for this podcast. It'd just take you like 30 seconds. It would mean the world to me. And like I'm taking time out to share this wisdom so that you can grow. And I really need your feedback. I need your insight into what you love, into what you want to hear more of. So it would really mean the word to, world to me if you could leave that feedback. I read every single one of them. 
This is a new podcast. It's the first episode. I want to see how it goes and I need your support, guys. I really have a lot of wisdom that I want to share with you. I want to help you grow. I want to help you love yourself more and I want to help you just build an incredible life for you and your family and everyone that matters to you. And I'm actively doing that right now with my own life. So I just want to say thank you for listening. Lots of love. And please make sure you also subscribe over on YouTube as well. Take care. Until the next time.